This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance. And I'm Sim Wee Boon. Last week, Finance Minister Tengku Zafro announced Budget 2023, which was focused on economic recovery and resilience. The team was strengthening recovery, facilitating reforms towards sustainable socio-economic resilience of Cloaca, Malaysia. Unfortunately, um, the caretaker Prime Minister Datuk Sri Ismail Sabri announced the dissolution of Parliament this Monday, which means that the budget will likely have to be retabled again once a new government is elected in. And while it could be a different one when that time comes, maybe slight tweaks, we'd like to scrutinise what has already been proposed on today's show. So joining me to discuss this is Tanya Malai Somasundaram, the Managing Director of Tanya's Tax Consulting Services. Good morning and welcome to the show, Tanya. Good morning and thank you very much for having me back on the show again. Okay, so let's start off um, overview that you have on the budget, right? What were some of the key highlights for you? What caught your eye? What stood out? Actually, what stood out is if we look at it from a macro perspective, the budget is going to spend, you know, $372 billion. We're going to have revenue of only $272 billion. So there's a shortfall of about $100 billion ringgits, which will largely come from borrowings. So that's going to be the first challenge for the government, whoever is introducing the next budget. That will be certainly a challenge. The second thing I want to say is, I think I just wanted to add on to what you said, Sim, is uh, the this budget that has been announced is, is void. That means the budget is no longer applicable and there has to be a new budget, which the new government, if it's the same people who are going to run the running the current government, if they do come back, maybe, most likely they will introduce the same measures. But if there is a new government or new coalitions coming in, then certainly there'll be a significant amount of tweaking to the current budget that has been announced. But I believe they will take large parts of the current budget because it actually caters for the community as a whole and the business uh, community also as a whole. You know, So in terms of what I think, you know, what strikes my eye, you know, in terms of strikes my eye, is the fact that there's been large handouts, you know, been given out, which has continued. This theme of giving out handouts to the lower income groups, the B40 groups, and the very, very poor. For example, the very, very poor, the welfare recipients under the, you know, those who are under the food poverty line, they're going to receive two and a half billion ringgits, you know, in terms of actually direct cash subsidies. And the other one that strikes me is also the electricity subsidy of 40 ringgits, you know, to the to to the people who use very little electricity, especially this is uh, targeted at the very poor. And the other one that strikes me, which is continuing from the years when, you know, it was started during the previous Barisan government was actually the uh, the Bantuan Kluarga, you know, and uh, you will, you know, you, they're going to allocate 7.8 billion. So if you think about it, 2.5 million for the extreme poor, that's cash handouts. There's going to be another set of cash handouts of 7.8 billion that will be given, you know, in cash handouts for those who are earning less than, you know, for example, those who are earning less than two and a half thousand ringgits, the plan is if they have more than five children, they will get 2,500 ringgits. The others with, you know, four children or less will get, you know, and earning less than two and a half thousand will get a thousand to two thousand ringgits. And also the senior citizens will get, you know, 600 ringgits and singles will get 600, 350 ringgits and single parents about three maximum, you know, the they will also get a cash handout. So there'll be lots of cash handouts. That's one area. Cash handout struck me. The second area was the tax reduction. They didn't forget the M40 this time around because world over, people are beginning to realize during this COVID period, the people who have been hardest hit 
is all, you know, that doesn't just include the B40, but it includes the middle income groups. You know, they have actually become poorer as a result of this. And they need, needed help. So the government has actually stepped in. The previous government, the government, that's a caretaker government currently, they stepped in and they said they're going to reduce the personal income tax by 2% for those earning between 50,000 to 100,000. That's something that struck me. The other one that struck me is actually companies, a small it's going to be very little, actually. The, the amount is very little, but they did some, you know, to help that is to reduce the corporate income tax for these small and medium scale industries by 2% for 100,000 of the first 100,000 of their income. So from 17, instead of paying 17% tax, they'll be paying 15% on the first 100,000. And then for the remaining 500,000, they'll pay at 17% and above that they pay 24%. So there is a tax reduction for the SMEs. The other one that actually strikes me is actually the EPF uh, contribution by the voluntary, you know, you know, on a voluntary basis. This is meant for the self-employed people, the gig workers, etc. Now, if they want to voluntarily contribute, they can contribute. Not previously, the max was only sixty thousand to EPF. Now it's a hundred thousand, you know. So, and also the government will give them matching ISR on very small amount. Previously, it was 250 ringgits. They will give a matching grant of 300 ringgits. So it's only 50 ringgits increase. The other one is actually still encouraging women who have taken a career break of two years to come back to work so that they get it. So if then, then for 12 months, whatever income they earn will be actually exempt from, uh, t uh, exempt from tax. So that's pretty good for women who have taken a two-year career break. And it has to be a real career break, you know. Um, and then... The other thing for individuals is actually they've continued uh, allowing the deduction, the 8,000 ringgit deduction to the SSPN scheme, you know, for your children, for education purposes, That, and it's been extended up to 2024. So that's been on the individual side, Sim, but on the company, on the businesses, they this budget has catered, you know, they basically catered for everybody. They meant it for everyone. And they meant it for the poor, the middle income, and for businesses, I mean, for for certain select businesses, they didn't give much for businesses, but like hotels, you know, the reinvestment allowance, you know, they have now they've expanded it to include renovation and modernization of hotels. For the corporate sector, what struck me is, you know, certain industries which have a long gestation period to make profits. Previously, now losses, you know, after 10 years, you, you cannot carry forward your losses. Now they've extended for these specific industries like the, hydropower and others will take a long time to make profits. Now, 20 years, they've allowed them to carry forward the losses for 20 years. Lastly, what I would say what struck me was uh, the plan was from the coming year, you know, the future, and uh, not this year, but next year, 2024 onwards, everyone should have a tax in, in a number, a reference number. Those who have it, okay. But those from the age of 18 onwards will be automatically issued. And those who do not have it will also have be issued with a TIN number. So that transactions that you carry out in the future, you must actually quote your tax information number, which is your tax reference number. And lastly, they are also thinking of actually introducing e-invoicing so that people cannot actually, there cannot be a leakage from the system, which means all invoices in the future in stages, they're going to bring it in for industry by industry or sector by sector. And everyone in that sector must issue invoice. So it will be easier for the income tax department. And in the event in the future, there's a VAT or a GST being reintroduced. It's very easy to capture the information. So e-invoicing is going to become compulsory in the future. And those are the kind of measures, Sim. There's a whole host of measures, but overall, I would say, 
individuals were taken care of, the poorer sections of society, uh, the middle income was taken care of. Okay, so it sounds like, you know, your impression that this is a budget for almost everyone. Uh, everyone's getting something, right? So it would be safe to say that there are a lot of winners, but are there any losers? Who are on the losing side of this budget, right? Yeah, if you think about it, what is missing in this budget is really, you know, the, the business community, you know, the individuals were okay. They were taken care of, you know, all segments of society and the rich didn't really need it. They're looking at the subsidies and all of that, and currently the rich are benefiting more than the poor. That's certainly the case. But when it came to business, there was in there was it was insufficient. You know, reducing the one percent and giving you two thousand ringgits, I mean, benefit for an SME, and then the others were just continuation of the existing incentives. They said it would be extended to 2024, 2025, and anything else. You know. And some patch, you know, some 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 incentives for the ESG area. But overall, the businesses didn't get a you know a, a, a help, a helping hand in a big way. Businesses are one that need the helping hand in order for this economy to grow. Remember, we have got a budget deficit. We are facing inflationary pressures. Although it's now at about less than four percent, but technically, if you didn't have the subsidies, we'll be more than ten percent. You know, much more. And we have, you know, and, and it's not that the economy is booming. It's just that it's booming because the economy was shut down and now the economy has picked up. But once that effect wears out, the economy is going to be the real economy. And that could be a slowdown in light of the fact that there will be a world recession. We are an open economy. So if you think about it, what did the businesses get out of it? You know, the businesses didn't get very much out of it. You know, I will tell you the help that they need is one from incentives. The local company should be at the same level playing field. You know, we spend a lot of efforts in bringing in foreign direct investments and still we are not exactly doing. We all give wonderful numbers. But at the end of the day, when you compare in the ASEAN, Singapore, Indonesia and Vietnam is way ahead of us. Or so if you look at it for the last 10, 15 years, we need to equally treat our local investors who are going to be reinvesting, encouraging them to bring back the money, invest into Malaysia and keep on growing the Malaysian businesses. But these are the larger businesses, right? Because the budget does seem quite skewed towards small businesses, though. There are a lot of incentives and funding that's they're going into... But they're giving them loans, they're giving them assistance. It's targeted certain groups, you know, because it is not across the board. I mean, certainly the Bhumiputras need help and it's targeted towards them. Sure. I agree with that, but still, you know, it's not that easy, uh, Sim, to go through this bureaucracy and get this. You know, to me, the other side of the game, this budget should have also addressed on how we need to address the bureaucracy in terms of how quickly we need answers. You know, whether it's from the various agencies or whether whether we are under audit, we need clearances, we need certainty, we need help, and we need to cut down the amount of bureaucratic time that we spend dealing with authorities it is still not as efficient as you know as it should be. Right, okay, we're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sands and I'm Sim Weeboon and today's topic is Budget 2023. It was presented last Friday by the Finance Minister Tengku Zafrul, but this Monday the Parliament was dissolved as announced by Dato Sri Ismail Sabri and this means that the budget will have to be retabled again. But just to look at what has been presented, we want to go through it and see what it could be or what might it be once it's being retabled again. My guest for the show is Tanir Malai Sumasundram, the Managing Director for Tiny's Tax Consulting Services. And 
earlier, before the break, uh, he was going through some of the key highlights that really caught his eye, who he thinks that this budget is uh, really for. And, um, now, Tanya, I want to zoom in on some of the points that you brought up, right? Uh, the one that really, the one that stood out for me was, of course, the EPF self-contribution, right? Limit from 60 to 100,000 and even the ASB limit up, right? So there is, without a doubt, that we are going through this um retirement crisis and given the past two years a lot of withdrawals right you know EPF itself and many economists and many people has warned of a impending retirement crisis because you know it's just not enough for many of us to retire we need at least one million or more you know but do you think this increase in the limit up will it be good enough strong enough to help rebuild EPF saving does it help address retirement issues I, I mean what's 60, your general I think Sim the 60 to 100,000 is certainly welcome but the question is how many people are going to be contributing that extra amount we should encourage them because the level of savings in Malaysia has dropped so you know you look at it a lot of people today do not have savings and if you look at EPF majority I think so huge numbers of people do not have sufficient savings when they actually retire at 55 so if you are self-employed, if they can contribute 60000 it was excellent. If they can now contribute, now they're really saying is you can now contribute up to 100000 which should be welcome. In fact, this 100000 limit should not be even there, in my opinion. You know, they should be allowed to contribute as much as they want, even up to maybe 200000 Why not? The more they contribute and save, it will be better for them in their you know, life. So... They need, at the moment, if you think about it, the basic, basic minimum, if you're just a normal, very basic, you need a thousand ringgits a month, you should have 240,000 when you retire at the age of 55. But if you have, you know, and thousand will not get you anywhere. So if you want a reasonable living in today's standards, let's say you need 5,000 ringgits. So multiply that by 5,000, it's already a, more than a million. Five, two is about one point, it's about 1.2 million. You need about roughly 1.2 million. So... 100,000, if they can contribute, it will be fantastic because if they can work for 10 years, they've already built up that. My only worry is how many people are going to be, you know, those working in the gig economy, those who are working as self-employed, are they in a position to contribute this 100,000? Right. So so the government does try to address this saving with the reduction of income tax and uh, other relief measures, right? Do you think that's effective to kind of like help, especially on the backdrop that we are in a rising inflationary environment and, you know, with the rise in interest rates? No, I think uh, this is a step in the right direction, encouraging you to save. And remember the other thing that they gave in this budget, and I hope the next government also does that, is there's a $7,000 relief. Remember, currently now you can contribute 4000 to EPF, 3000 to insurance, you know, life insurance. What they have now said in this budget is if you don't contribute to life insurance, you can still contribute an extra 3000 to EPF. So you can actually put 7000 into EPF. So you can use the whole 7000 if you're self-employed and put it into EPF. So you get a deduction of 7000 You're not going to lose because if you if you give this extra contribution, you are going to get now up to 7000 if you do not have a life insurance policy. But if you do have a life insurance policy, then your you, your limit is still the 7000 So that's something that they've done. So I, I would say that uh, then the ASNB also, you remember, they've increased it from 200000 to 300000 Yeah, that's pretty good for the book. You know, this is actually focused towards the Bumiputras. And yes, it allows them to save the money. Fine. It doesn't matter to me. As far as I'm concerned, I'm a Malaysian. And as far as I'm concerned, whoever it is who is actually saving money in the system, that money will get plowed back into the economy. So, Sim, it's very good if actually people, you know, the government is giving you the encouragement. They're giving you the avenue to invest in a simple way. 
and giving you the tax breaks. So you should take up financing. At the end of the day, the savings will only benefit the economy because it will come back into the economy in the form of, it will be recycled in the form of investments and lending to the corporate sector especially. So what are the other key things that maybe from a personal and individuals would look out for, right? So yes, we have the 7,000 ringgit. I mean, your... All own, that all is that... still there. All okay. that is still there. From 2000 and in the earlier years, those reliefs are all there. Nothing has been taken away. So you can still carry on, you know, getting your seven and getting your two and a half thousand ringgit, you know, for your special allowance, for your computers, for your iPhones and all that. You don't get that extra two and a half thousand which you got last year. This year you won't get the two and only the two and a half thousand for the lifestyle relief. But this year they still continue. You know the SSP and remember for your children's education you can still contribute. You know mm. that has been continued the eight thousand uh, the the eight thousand the uh, sorry eight thousand ringgit and then the children also you know they they're giving you uh, the kindergarten if you're actually sending your children to kindergarten and at uh, three thousand. And they've extended now the medical benefits to dental benefits. You know, they'll give you up to a thousand ringgits. If so, if you spend on dental, they'll give you a thousand ringgits. But that's inside the medical relief, which is already available of eight thousand. So the eight, you can use eight thousand, uh, one thousand of which can be medical, uh, which dental. So dental. So reliefs-wise, it's all continuing from the past, and nothing really uh, entirely new. You know, it's more. I think this time around is around cash handouts and helping people to cushion. The current problems they have, you know, that's it. You know, sim- that's where okay. they're coming from. So, but earlier, you know, when we kind of started our conversation, right, what I got was a sense that, you know, well, cash handouts might be good for a short-term measure, but they don't really, they're not a solution for the long-term economic issues that we have, you know, I mean, you know, and, and I think we need to move away from this cash handout to a self-sustainable mindset, right? But then how yeah. how can the government better do that, right? I mean, how can they tweak it to make it focus towards self-sustainability rather than just, you know, really short-term cash handouts? But unfortunately, it's becoming ingrained, you know, and the people who are receiving it have also begun to accept it that they will forever get it. It's I'm, it's sad to know that it's becoming ingrained because it's not been a one or two year issue. It's been continuing for a long time. And the, even when we had the change of government, when, you know, the, they too continued it. They didn't want to actually re- remove it because they were very worried about the political backlash, you know. So that's so it's become ingrained. But where I'm coming in, you, I I totally agree with you that you've got to wean away some of the people, not all of them. Some of them are unfortunate that they they need the cash handouts. <clears throat> it's like a social security system. We don't have a social security system. But this is an alternative to that. So some, like, you know, single mothers with children who cannot work and uh, handicapped, you know, children, you know, people with handicapped children or family members who cannot work, they need cash handouts. But my concern is, are we giving cash handouts to people who actually are capable of actually working, who should be doing work at different levels, who now refuse to go and work, whether it's in the plantations or whether it's in the factories? That's my concern. People who are capable of working should be made to work or maybe, you know, given the necessary education or maybe actually incentivized to get back to work in some form or the other. Really, the answer is you've got to go through the people who are receiving the Bantuan and say, who are the people who are capable of working but choosing not to work? If you keep throwing carrots and carrots and carrots and they may not decide to pick up the carrots, you know, then they'll be enjoying the carrots and that's about it. There is work available. 
At the same time, we need to identify individuals. And if we identify the individuals, we need to skill them up and maybe we pay them during the training period. We identify, we make them come into the training. We pay them for the training. Then we link them to the employers. And to the employers, we give them an incentive, like, for example, a deduction, you know, for the first 12 months for employing. You see, now you're giving an incentive for bringing in ex-convicts, ex-drug employees ex-drug you know, drug addicts and people who are in, in the older group who have retired to come back. And if they're earning less than 4,000, we are willing to give them a deduction. You know, We are willing to give them a special tax deduction to the employer. So that can be retained. Bring these people. The government will incur the money. It's a one-off money. And after that, they'll be self-sufficient. You can get them out of the system. You should teach people how to fish and live you know, and cook and actually have them you know, make their own meals rather than you giving them the fish every other day. Lastly, then, what else would you like to see once this budget gets retabled, right? Whether it's by um, the same people that uh, drafted it or another bunch of people that may, might start from uh, scratch, right? I mean, I certainly like to see not just from a tax measure point of view. I'd like to see that the you know this 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 thing we have been talking about the subsidy, you know, the roll the roll down or, or reducing the amount of subsidy because you know, for example, the rich don't need the subsidy on the petrol and we are giving it to them on the wrong ninety five, you know. And there are a number of other subsidies we need to think about. That's one. Number two, we need to think about businesses. I think we need to have a greater focus on how you can help businesses actually get back loans, you know, funding, guarantees. And it should be, and the bureaucracy around it, whether I get an incentive or whether I go for any permissions, I want tax certainty from the tax authorities. Everything should be done on a, on a quick and fast basis. And it shouldn't be looking at their own KPIs as to see whether I should be collecting the maximum amount of tax. So I take, the, I take a, a, a position, you know, when the, tax, when, the, when the businesses come to you, you've got to try and help them and understand and get them the benefit that is available to you. If there's a tax deduction, let's see how we can give you a tax deduction as opposed to throwing the book at us and saying there'll be penalties and et cetera, et cetera. So that's not the way to handle it. All right, and that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Tanya Malai Somasundaram, the Managing Director for Tanya's Tax Consulting Services. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. I'm Sim Weeboon from The Morning Run. We have the 10am News Bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.